Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there, and thanks very much for joining us. We love to find new businesses that are doing crazy things. And I have to say, my next two guests very much tick that box. They're from Maynooth and County Kildare, but they have decided that the future for them in terms of business is in Castle Freak, a beautiful part of West Cork. And uh, they are the owners of the Castle Freak Hotel and a fantastic new food venture that's there as well. Ashling and Nicole O'Shea, how are you doing, guys? Hi, Hello. how are you? <laughs> Lovely to talk to you. First of all, uh, uh, you're very welcome in Cork, don't get me wrong, but wh- what are you guys doing down here? Could you not work up in Kildare? <laughs> well, I mean, we don't have a, the lovely sea views that we have here in Kildare, unfortunately. <laughs> well, that's, um, the that best, was... that's, that's the best excuse I can say that you can put forward. Most certainly. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that won't offend anyone in Kildare. First of all, tell me how you got interested, um, Ashley, in buying Castle Freak Hotel. So we were actually, um, we were on the lookout for a property. Uh, we wanted, we for the longest time, we wanted to do like a renovation project, but we wanted something that could be a business something that we could run ourselves and um we didn't have anything specific in mind we just knew we'd we'd know it when we saw it and that's kind of what happened we saw the ad for the hotel we came down had a look and we fell in love instantly so the rest it, is history it, it is and it's an incredible spot i would have um holidayed when i was younger in onahinsha so i know exactly what it is it was closed when i was a child so that'll tell you how long it's been since it's seen a lick of paint nicole what have you been doing to it uh, well, it needed a complete renovation. You know, there there wasn't a window in it that wasn't smashed. It was completely boarded up. It was full of rubbish when we got the keys to it. So it was a big job just to clear it out. It took us about four months just to get all the rubbish out of it. So we have it all cleared and we have brand new windows and doors and we had to put a new roof on the main building. Yeah. So in other words, it wasn't an easy task. I mean, were your hearts a little deflated when you crossed the threshold and saw all the work you had to do? Oh, no, we we knew what we were getting ourselves into. You know, we saw how big of a job it would be on the initial um, walkthrough when um, with the auctioneer. So we definitely knew what we were getting ourselves into. We knew it was a big job, but we were definitely ready for it. Well, location, 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 as they say, you couldn't get a better spot. Ashling, um, what is the plan? Is it is it to reopen it as an actual hotel? Yep, that's the plan. Uh, and we always said like it couldn't we couldn't reopen it as anything but a hotel. Like it's it's just the ideal location. Um and like the views are amazing. So we're gonna reopen as a twenty-four bedroom motel. Uh we're doing it in stages. So we're currently in phase one, which is just the the food openings, and then next summer we're hoping to have the bedrooms up and running. And how many bedrooms are you hoping to have available? Uh, twenty four. So we're gonna we're gonna reopen the the bedroom block, um, as it were, has twenty four rooms, uh, twelve facing the sea and twelve facing Castle Freak. So it's it's uh got nice views all around. <laughs> yeah, that it does, uh, even on a bad day. But like you, you could say that's grand. We'll open it when it's ready. But as you've pointed out. Um, there's a food offering as well. So you, you you brought a little coffee. Is it a coffee truck, Nicole? Is that is that underselling it? Yeah, it's uh we have a little coffee van parked at our gate. Um, so we're since December we've been selling coffee and cakes out of it. Um, and we've had you know such a great response to it. All like locals are coming down congratulating us, getting coffee, supporting us. Um, and, you know, people are just really excited for us to open. 
Um, so the van has been great kind of advertising, giving people a taste of what's to come um, and just getting to talk to the locals and their local business owners as well. Yeah, and look, it's it's brilliant that you're doing it. I, did anyone question your sanity opening a coffee truck in the middle of December <laughs> on the yes. wild Atlantic, on the wildest part of the wild Atlantic way? Yeah, definitely. There's been um, there were a few eyebrows raised when we said, and they were like, okay. In fairness, nobody was like, oh, don't do it. It was just kind of okay. I'll I'll, I'll we'll see where it trust goes. The process. Yeah, trust the process. <laughs> there's been a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of trust in the process, but that's good. Yeah. Um, now you you are sisters. Uh, one of you is age twenty nine, the other is age twenty six. I'm not going to say which is which, just in case I get it wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, but th- this entrepreneurial spirit, um, is this something that you have picked up from somewhere or something you? You have accrued over time yeah I would say it's it's definitely a mix of both like our parents have have always encouraged us to to kind of go for it um in anything in life um and we've always had that kind of um I don't know the the desire to to work for ourselves and to kind of have a bit of freedom in that regard so um that was both encouraged and I think kind of natural <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it just happened nope nobody fell off a chair when you said you were doing it i mean the, the fact that the building itself it, it was designed to think of the 1960s as a kind yeah. of a motel are you going to keep that motel feel to it or are you changing it yeah we're very much trying to keep um as true to the original building as possible we loved it we love kind of the architect what he wanted what he did with the place so we're trying to keep as true to that as possible but obviously bringing it into, you know, putting a few modern touches on it as well. Okay, yeah, so we have definitely. we have the coffees and the cakes. Uh, there's there out of the trailer. What's next? What can people see this summer now if they're passing by? Well, we'll have the um, the first phase will be to have the downstairs of the, the main building open and a big outdoor dining area. So that's going to be, um, it'll be from morning till nighttime. There'll be somewhere to get food. Um, we'll have pizzas and coffees and sandwiches and that kind of thing. Um, and then we'll have the big, we'll have a big outdoor dining space, but also lots of indoor seating as well. And we'll have wine, which people are very excited about. So, well, all you um, need now is the weather because it's a beautiful place where the sun shines. And you know yeah. what? If if you can sit inside watching the sea, it's not a bad spot either. So it's the old Castle Freak Hotel, very close to Onahinsha Beach uh, and Castle Freak, if people know it. Um, and uh, lads, I just wish you the best luck. I love your passion. I love everything that you're doing. And uh, it's definitely going to be on my list of places I'm going to visit in the next few months. Ashling and Nicole O'Shea, Kildare's best exports in St. Bridget. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. Next up on the podcast, a 24-year-old entrepreneur who has seen a gap in the market. It's always the best place to start with a new business. Braden Peck, how are you? I'm very good, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. The business is called BP Strings. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay, so so BP Strings is basically just a a tennis racket services company. And um, I, I, I basically... Provide uh, restringing, regripping, and general sort of racket, um, like consultation services for uh, for my clients, and that 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 usually involves um, a lot of uh, consultations and whatnot. And um, it's a very a very important service for tennis, obviously, because strings are vital to to, to playing the game, the game of tennis. But um, it's also not a very well known business, so. Um, that was one of the main reasons why I 
I pursued it. I have to say, it's, it's not something I would have thought of because I don't play tennis. But anyone I do know who plays tennis, they guard their racket closely. They do not let it fall to the ground. It's treated a little bit like a child. Um, and I suppose yes. it has to be at its peak performance if you're going to do well on the court. So is that the gap in the market you spotted? Um, well, mainly it was that there was there was very little, um, like this service wasn't being provided very much at all in my area. Um, I remember it was, there was only about one or two people in, like in the Cork City area that were doing it at all. So when I was playing myself, um, it, it was it was difficult and it was like inconvenience to get my racket restrung. So I decided to, to just buy my own machine and start learning. And then suddenly people started approaching me, asking me to, to do their rackets for them. And that's kind of where I, I sparked the idea. <laughs> hmm. And how hard is it? I mean, do you have to have a special certification, don't you? You can't just kind of rock up and say, I'll fix that racket for you there, don't worry. Well, that's that's one of one of the issues actually. So you don't need a certification, but the problem is that most people don't have a certification. Now, like I myself have one. I have a certification from uh, the European Racket Association, uh, the the RSA. But most people who are stringing out there, they don't have any certification. So um, they actually they could be doing like very bad practices. They could be. Um, like stringing rackets incorrectly and that could be damaging the string or it's damaging the racket or overall hurting the, the performance of the racket. Mm. Uh, so Braden, the certification the, obviously helps a lot for that. Yeah, the, the problem for me though, Braden, is, uh, you know, if something breaks, you buy a new one. Uh, why don't people just buy new rackets? <laughs> well, if you're, if you're, if your tire bursts in your car, do you buy a new car? Not necessarily. No, yeah. I'd be slow <laughs> enough to do that. <laughs> That's that's the that's exactly it. The strings, like to get new strings, only costs about twenty euro. To buy a new racket would probably cost about one hundred fifty euro. So people tend to prefer getting the new strings. <laughs> okay, and when you somebody comes to you, like you have to assess whether the racket is beyond repair. I mean, if if it has more than one or two issues, can you fix them? Is there is there a point at which you have to go? Oh no, there's nothing I can do here. I'm sorry, the patient has the patient has been lost. Well, that would only be the case really if the racket's frame was broken. Like if the, if the frame is cracked or, or or broken in two, then obviously it's beyond repair. But um, people people come to me with, with with just broken strings, and the strings break uh, like breaking is is a normal thing. It's just um, like a natural uh, result of the game. Yeah. Well, I know that the majority of your clients are from Bishopstown Lawn Tennis Club. I don't know whether that's a reflection on their skills or abilities or the realisation that they've had that you're the best man to fix their rackets. How do people go about contacting you if they need your help, Braden? Oh, well, um, in, in, in the club in Bishopstown, I have posters up, but, but also I, I do have an Instagram account. And generally, word of mouth is, is also very, very, very common for me because there's a lot of people in the club now, there's about six, 700 members, so the word spreads quite quickly. Okay, well, head to Bishopstown Lawn Tennis Club if you want to see the posters. Have a look for them on the gram if you don't want to do that, but definitely it's a market that I didn't realise existed, but thankfully Braden Peck did. Braden Peck of BP Strings, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks, Jonathan. 
We are rapidly coming up on Local Enterprise Week for 2024. It's running from March the 4th until the 8th this year, and we'll have more to come on that, uh, both on this podcast, but also on Red Business in Focus, with thanks to the Cork Local Enterprise Office. But I decided to catch up with someone who we've spoken to before, uh, around the time of Local Enterprise Week, Phil Cohn, the owner of Academy Crest. Phil, how are you getting on? Not too bad, Jonathan. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm delighted to hear your business is going from strength to strength. You might remind people what you guys do. Yeah, so we're uh, Munster's largest contract embroidery and printing company. Uh, we've been based in, in Cork and working for the last uh, 30 odd years. And we, we've kind of grown from a cottage uh, industry into you know, a, a large manufacturing uh, company and a supplier of clothing. Uh, workwise, sportwise, and schoolwear. So, I mean, we're we're going from strength to strength every year. Now, one of the things that you talked about the last day was you were trying to make this into a lean green machine. You were trying to do right by the environment. You were trying to make sure there was no waste in the business. You were supported by the local enterprise office in that. How has it been going? Yeah, super. Um, like we we, we undertook about uh, four lean programs over the last, you know, five or six years, and. They, they've, you know, brought us from strength to strength. Um, like a lot of it is we concentrated on the fundamentals of really cutting down uh, waste and increasing kind of productivity. And, uh, you know, t- time is money, as they always say. And, um, you know, every every second really does count. And uh, it was only for the, the you know, the, the input and the uh, knowledge that the, the lean consultants uh, brought was able to us to uh, be where we are today. Um, you know, as I said, we, we, we started off um, you know, back in 2017 uh, on the Lean for Micro program and uh, only for it, I don't think we would have ever grown as much as we have um, between sales and profit and, uh, you know, and even the team. The, t- the team bought into it and like every every nook and cranny that we look at at the moment is always about trying to save can we do it better can we continue to improve you know how do we look at things you know if we make this change you know w- would that affect the bottom line and, and make us uh, produce stuff in a better manner and uh, in a quicker mm. manner what what are the things of course you can't do is you cannot affect the quality of the product because people won't come back to you so you had to do it in such a way that you didn't skimp on cost so how did you do that because you couldn't kind of bring in a cheaper uh, thread or cheaper embroidery you had to keep the standards no no absolutely and like a, a lot of Areas that we did look at was, um, you know, setup times for us would have been, you know, really uh, have a massive impact. And, you know, while we were trying to set up to to go from, you know, job A to job B, you know, the machine might have been down for, look, we'd call it 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, if we cut that to, say, half it down to five minutes and you're doing that across every order for a year, you know, you can imagine the savings it made um, and, and stuff like that. So it's not really, you know, about changing uh, how you do things. It's almost like the way you do them, um, you know, and like even stuff, the location of materials that would have been a big thing for us in that, you know, we, we had all, at the time uh, when we moved from, uh, the old Mallow Road down to North Pine Business Park. I, I thought it was a great idea to have, you know, all the materials all in one corner that um were all nice and neat and we could keep a record of them. But they were pretty much miles away from the machines 
And so stuff like that that you wouldn't necessarily think mm. of. Uh, and now they're located pretty much next to the machines. So there is no you know, downtime, like walking to get stuff or uh, you know, waste of time uh, looking to pick up the next products or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, we, look- we've really compacted things. It's, and it's great to hear. Phil, you and I, it's fair to say, I think we, we were children of the 80s and 90s, let's put it that way. And the only time you'd ever see a crest on anything was on a school uniform. But you guys have realised that in the modern era, uniforms mean an awful lot more uh, and you can put a crest on anything. So in other words, there was a market that existed that you guys didn't actually know much about. Well, absolutely, yeah. And now, you know, workwear-wise and health and safety-wise, you know, there's pretty much... Uh, nearly every site now needs, uh, you know, every trade to be kind of marked with their own company logos, and so they can decipher who's working for who. Uh, shopping centres are the same, so it, it really has grown. Uh, and people, you know, from an employee point of view and a, a work point of view, uh, companies and employees they like to be branded. You know, they like it goes back to your race. You know, if you play the sport for your a uh, local GA or rugby club. You know, you you want to wear that jersey. Well, companies are the same. You know, people want to represent their company properly, and so hence branding, branded clothing is, is a very, uh, relatively cheap mm. form of uh marketing as well. I, so as well as the lean, I I I've, I've a recollection, Phil, that you guys were playing around with four day weeks and everything like that. How did that go for you? Excellent. No, uh, we we introduced a four day week back in twenty nineteen. Uh, it's still going. Uh, we we've kind of uh, we, we've amended it slightly. That we we've half a team on uh, four day week and we've a half a team on four and a half days, um, which kind of works. I mean, um, and it, it it still is. If you were to ask any of those on four days, would they give it up? Uh, not in your nilly. Um, but you know, from a company point of view, it, it kind of we, we learned it, it's a learning curve and we, we did learn a lot by it. Um and hence that's why we, we've almost like a split shift. And uh so it's still it's still going. And um you know it, it's it's definitely a benefit to all of us. Well, look, it's brilliant that the company is doing so well and that Lean is working for you. Good luck um, uh, in the future. And here's hoping that uh, you'll be even leaner the next time we talk. Academycrest.ie is the website. Phil Cohn, owner of Academy Crest. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. No problem. Thanks, Jonathan. Take care. Have a good day. And that is it for this episode of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget Red Business in Focus, our partner video series with thanks to Cork's local enterprise offices is up right now. Brand new episodes available on redfm.ie. She for Clear was the producer and we'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.